What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another pay-per-view point edition of the Smark Out Moment Smack Talk podcast. I am your host, as always, Tony Mango, and this is the WWE Survivor Series 2018 pay-per-view post-show, where I'll be breaking down my thoughts on everything that transpired throughout the night, my uh, my ups, my downs, my highlights, my low points, and all the other kind of things that I feel like talking about flying solo in this edition, and that is pretty much only because uh, Rob doesn't have power right now, so he's not able to do it in, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to get more opinions in the comments section below, and I have plenty to say about this anyway, so allow me to rant a little bit, and in certain cases, rave, because this was not entirely bad, but had a shit ton of problems to go along with it as well. But I want to start things off with the positives that started off the night. The kickoff. Very rare, but an exception to the rule, the kickoff was great. They accomplished multiple different things. The two hours went by very quickly in my mind, and maybe that was just because one of the matches took, you know, the bulk of that time up, but that illustrates my point of view whenever I'm criticizing the kickoff and saying that it's got too much recap filler and stuff, that, you know, if you don't have all that recap filler... Doesn't seem like it's all that much of a problem. Uh, same thing happened with the TakeOver uh, pre-show. That was very quick, and it wasn't all that problematic. So, hey, maybe, and I highly doubt that this is the case, but maybe somebody in WWE kind of realized, you know what, it's kind of pointless for us to do that. But that's not It's going to happen. Come on, let, let's be honest. This was just a, a lucky coincidence here. Um, one of the things that I liked about this was they had a little angle backstage where Ruby Riot and Natalia went off on each other. They started brawling, and Alexa Bliss kicked them off of the team, which it's bad if you're a Ruby Riot or an Natalia fan. Uh, the Riot Squad continually not really amounting to jack shit, but it does make sense. And I will pick logic over some of the other details pretty much nine times out of ten. So. They wouldn't have been able to work on a team together if we were supposed to go with this. You know, if Natalia hates them so much and Ruby Riot did this horrible thing to her about the sunglasses or whatever, there's no way they should have been able to coexist. So it makes perfect sense for them to have that thrown out. And it made perfect sense for them to have Sasha Banks and Bailey brought in because they are two people who are very popular. They are very good in the ring. And why wouldn't you want them on your team? You know what I mean? So that is one of those rare instances where WWE was like, Oh, you know what? Maybe we should do something that makes sense. They also had a really good segment, and this was something that carried on throughout the show, where R-Truth was trying to position himself as the final member of the SmackDown women's team, because he's, you know, been doing stuff like this, this kind of crazy, off-the-wall character. I laughed. I thought that this was great. Uh, R-Truth has been proving himself to be one of the most entertaining people on SmackDown, and it's consistently the case. So... Uh, kudos to R-Truth or whoever else had thought about that. It was really, really funny. They established that Mandy Rose was the final member of the team. So they kind of undercut what would have been a problem. You know, people paying attention to this card would have been like, maybe it's going to be AJ Lee. Maybe it's going to be Trish Stratus. Maybe it's Lita. Maybe it's Michelle McCool. Maybe it's Nikki Cross. Maybe it's Bianca Belair. All these different things we had talked about before. They were like, you know what? Stop trying to think of all these other kind of things. It's Mandy Rose. Let's just go ahead and do that. Now, I'm curious if they didn't go with this because there was a potential chance that maybe Becky Lynch would have been cleared 
and that they would have kind of fallen back and they would have been like, you know what, Charlotte Flair is on the team or, you know, something like that. Maybe that's why they did this, but maybe they just did it because they wanted an air of, ooh, who's going to be on the team? Let's tune in to find out. Maybe that kind of a thing. I don't know. Either way, I'm glad that they just went out of the way to say, Mandy Rose, whatever, just deal with it. We're moving on. It's a lot easier that way. Uh, we had a Lars Sullivan vignette because we need more heels, right? And I I went out of my way to do this uh, while this was happening. I went through the Raw and the SmackDown rosters for the men and the women, and I broke them down on an Excel sheet. Who is the babyface and who is a heel? And for certain people, who is not necessarily a babyface or a heel, and they're just completely unknown? For instance, we don't really know what the whole point of gold dust going forward is going to be you can kind of assume that it doesn't really matter because even if he was able to wrestle right now which he isn't because he's injured they slot him in wherever he needs to go and you know that's just what it is bray wyatt is another one he hasn't been around for a while it doesn't matter if he's a healer or babyface anyway because he's not doing anything and what's funny is mathematically, if you go by the baby faces and the heels on Monday Night Raw, they actually technically have more baby faces. The problem being, the baby faces are shit. You've got Apollo Crews, who isn't really amounting to all that much, but you know, you can maybe count him into the mid-card. Bo Dallas, Curtis Axel, they're jobbers. Bobby Roode, he's not really worth all that much right now. Braun Strowman, a guy who they don't really want to be the top guy, but he's by default the top guy. Uh, Chad Gable's not really worth all that much right now. Elias is a mid-carder. Fandango's injured. Finn Balor's a mid-carder. Grand Metalik and the other three Lucha, Dra- uh, Lucha, I guess call them Lucha Dragons. Lucha House Party, they're just a tag team, and they're also on 205 Live, so they're splitting the difference. Kurt Angle is a part-timer. No way Jose's a jobber. Rhino's a jobber. Heath Slater's a jobber. Titus O'Neil's a jobber. Tyler Breeze is a jobber. Zack Ryder's a jobber. As much as I hate to admit with, with some of these people. Seth Rollins is worth a damn. And then Roman Reigns is out. So when you look at the heels on Raw, Baron Corbin, Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar, Dean Ambrose, Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, you know, it's just, it's an uneven kind of situation. So Lars Sullivan coming up to the main roster, where's he going to go? If he goes on the heel side, who do you downgrade? Who do you put like, like a Ziggler or a Lashley or, you know, there's no room for Kevin Owens when he returns or Sami Zayn or whatever the case may be. Who do you just bump from that? Because Lars Sullivan's going to be a heel. Let's, you know, let's be honest. He's not going to come up and be a babyface unless they do something stupid like they did with Brutus Clay. And if Brutus uh, popped up and he was the whole dancing kind of thing like that instead of being a monster, if they do that to Lars Sullivan, he's going to fall by the wayside too. The SmackDown situation is still kind of the same situation too. They've got AJ Styles, a couple tag team members, R-Truth, who's a jobber, Rey Mysterio, Rusev, the injured Sin Cara jobber, the injured Ty Dellinger jobber, and that's it. So all the heels on that side, you can't turn Miz heel, you can't turn Samoa Joe heel. It's a, it's a shit situation. So I don't know why out of all the people they picked to come up to the main roster, it's going to be Lars Sullivan, but I wish that I could say that they had a plan, but you can't trust WWE's plans anymore. Anyway, at least that was something interesting on the kickoff. And I'll give them a little bit of a boost when it comes to that of like, oh, look at that, Lars Sullivan, huh? I wonder how they're going to fuck that up. 
But then we had a tag team match, the tag team elimination match between Raw and SmackDown, which was actually a damn good match. New Day kicks it off. Raw gets booed from the audience. That was really fun. Uh, Unfortunately, Kalisto gets injured, but they were able to be in a good luck situation where having Grand Metalik right there, they just switched him around. And even though it doesn't make any sense that they were able to do that, it was still something that they could just flat out do and say, hey, let's just roll with it. So that's a little bit of a nitpick, but hey, you know, they didn't plan on Kalisto getting injured. Uh, also, another nitpick of mine, sanity really didn't matter at all, did they? <laughs> they were completely inconsequential here. And that's something you're going to hear quite a bit is inconsequential. Uh, let's see. When it comes to the eliminations, the revival looked pretty decent in this. So that's good. The Usos looked good. The New Day looked good. So those are positives. But overall, it was just that the match itself, in a grand scheme of everything, I liked it a lot. Of course, WWE promptly craps all over that by saying, that doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't count at all. Why? Because fuck you, that's why. Uh, I'm very curious what reports are going to come out that explain why WWE felt like that was something that they should do, because they wanted to tell this story for some goddamn reason that Raw had a clean sweep. Well, if that was the case, I got a couple questions to, to ask here. Number one being, why? Why would Raw have to do a clean sweep? Raw can win, and you can win four to three or five to two, but why does it need to have a clean sweep? That just makes SmackDown look like garbage, and SmackDown is already the B show. So if you have Fox executive backstage, and Ben Guest, who writes for the site, he asked a good question in one of my chats here. If you're a Fox executive, what part about this is appealing, is what he said. And it's very true. If you're backstage and the show that you're watching is telling you the thing that you invested in is shit and can't even be not even close to an equal to what the USA Network has, it's a slap in the face. It's a slap in the face to the SmackDown roster. It's a slap in the face to the Fox executives that purchased SmackDown for a billion dollars or whatever the hell it was that they had done. It is so counterproductive and it makes no sense. If you watched the kickoff like I did and you were like, wow, this is really good. They actually did something different and they did something good and the kickoff was fun. Then you got a slap in your face too because they said, doesn't matter. You watched the kickoff, you jackass. You know, that, that wasn't something that, you should actually factor in. That was meaningless. Why did you watch that? Completely crazy booking. WWE is stupid with this shit lately, and I don't understand that at all. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really, really curious what rumors or news or whatever comes out about this. Like, why in their mind that they thought that this was a good idea to be like, yeah, you know, they have that match on the pre-show, but even though we built this up as being something that mattered, doesn't matter. Because they want Raw to look that much better than SmackDown. Everybody knows that Raw's the A show. Everybody knows. So why do you need to reiterate it? And that's the other thing too is they must have an inability to multitask. It must be if they are focused on something, they only want that one thing to be the thing that you take away from it. If they want you to cheer somebody, by God, everything in the entire world in WWE 
is just going to revolve around cheer them, god damn it. Or if they want you to think somebody is strong, then everybody else in a match is completely inconsequential. You could have substituted everybody in these matches for this night, except for Nia Jax, Braun Strowman, Baron Corbin, and uh, Drew McIntyre, and it wouldn't have mattered because it didn't matter that Jeff Hardy was in the match. He didn't do anything. It didn't matter that Samoa Joe was in there. It's just, that's how it works. So we're going to talk about that when we get to it, but uh, the kickoff was great. And then WWE says, yeah, but it doesn't matter. Boggles my mind. Vince must have just had this idea in mind that he was like, you know what? Let's prove to everybody that SmackDown isn't worth it. And then when people don't watch SmackDown, they're going to wonder why the ratings aren't in because you told everybody that it doesn't matter. And the same thing with 205 Live too. Uh, Peter, I think, brought this up, said, uh, or no, maybe it wasn't Peter. I don't know. Whoever it was uh, had said, you're going to have the 205 Live general manager in the situation that he is in, and we'll get to that a little bit later too. And Leo Rush is kind of like, I don't even know who you are, or whatever like that. 205 Live doesn't matter. SmackDown doesn't matter. It's only Raw. It's only ever Raw. Uh, the women's elimination match kicked off tonight for officially, I guess, because the other one didn't matter. Uh, and here's where some positives come in. And remember, I'm going to talk positives here because there were good things to talk about for this. Uh, well, actually, first thing I have to talk about is a little fuck up. Uh, Corey Graves was like, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville in that stable of evolution. It's absolution, but, you know, everybody fucks up. Uh, lots of heat for Nia Jax, and this is going to play exactly into what Vince McMahon wanted. Uh, all will be totally forgiven, and I've mentioned this before. I said, if Nia Jax gets booed because of the whole Becky Lynch situation, Vince and company are going to look at that as, well, that means that she's got heat, and isn't that great? Let's go with it. And within no time at all, Nia Jax is not going to have any kind of negative repercussions for what she had done. Now, I'm not entirely in the camp of the people that say that she's completely unsafe and she should be fired and all the other kind of stuff, but I do understand their point of view because this is not an isolated incident, and she should have been at least reprimanded to a certain extent of people saying, you need to learn how to be safer, because one of these days, all she has to do is do something else slightly more wrong, and somebody could get really, really hurt. And you can have that happen for people that are safer, too, so... Don't jump down my throat in the comments. I understand that. But when you've done it multiple times, you've proven that you're not necessarily safe. So all that's going to be forgiven now because Vince understands that she is getting heat. So this match was booked entirely around the idea Nia Jax needs to be the one that people are booing at the end. So that meant that Nia Jax had to win. So one of the wins for Team Raw. And uh, if you thought that the idea of Naomi losing really quickly was beneficial in any way to anybody, it wasn't. Uh, Naomi, very, very quick elimination, which they did that for the other match too, because I guess WWE feels like you have to do that for Survivor Series now. You have to make somebody look stupid at the beginning of it. It didn't even serve the purpose of being a good thing for making SmackDown look like the underdogs, because... Okay, you lost your new team captain. The way to tell that story is for there to have been some kind of a problem with a lack of cohesion, and it's like, man, we really would have been better off if Naomi would have still been around. It still makes Naomi look stupid because she got eliminated so quick, so there goes her credibility, but at least that would have been the story. Well, instead, 
they just pinned Tamina really quick. So now there is no like underdog kind of thing. It's just Naomi sucks. And also Tamina does. Uh, I did like how Mandy Rose stole the pin of Mickey James away from Sonya Deville. That was good. Mandy Rose actually had a good showing here. You know, she looked a lot better than she normally does. So that was really good. Asuka looked great. She seemed totally fired up. I loved the knee to Sasha's face. That was great. Um, and then it just boils down to, well, we need Nia Jax to win because that way people will boo her more. So I can't 100% fault the logic behind it because I understand that they want to go with as much for the Ronda Rousey match as possible. But in the grand scheme of this card, it gets very frustrating. So we're going to move on to the next thing, and that'll be where I kind of tie this in. It's Shinsuke Nakamura loses to Seth Rollins. And yes, it would have been predictable if Dean Ambrose would have come out, caused a, some kind of distraction, Nakamura would have won. But I'd rather go with predictable and logical than to go with, hey, let's just have SmackDown lose everything. We already know that Shinsuke Nakamura is not a priority. It's obvious. He won the United States title and then he completely fucked off. They haven't been using him for anything for months. He hasn't been even used on SmackDown in like an inconsequential kind of point of view. He has just been not showing up because they haven't been doing anything with him. And when he does show up, they have him lose. So it really makes Nakamura look bad. It really makes the SmackDown roster look bad. It makes the United States title look bad. It just doesn't, it's not good for anybody. And did they really need to prove the point that Seth Rollins is more important than him? Everybody knows that already. It's not like Seth Rollins has detractors that people are like, we need to win them over again. So this was just not as good as it could have been and very disappointing. Uh, R-Truth popped up backstage again, trying to get on Team Raw. Big fan of that segment. That was fun. Then we have the Authors of Pain against The Bar. And in this match, we have Enzo Amore ringside get thrown out of the arena which hey you know what he's a jackass in a lot of ways but he got a lot of attention on himself and that's clearly what he wanted so mission accomplished enzo uh i i hate that this match was some like completely pointless and that they ended up having drake maverick pee himself because wouldn't it be funny if he peed himself well, now you've got your SmackDown, or not your SmackDown, you've got your 205 Live general manager, who is a babyface that we are supposed to like, on Raw, as a heel that we are supposed to not like, looking like somebody who is a complete laughingstock. Why is this, you know, throw up all the balls in the world and see of which ones you can catch type of booking going on with Drake Maverick? If they want to make him a heel, make him a heel. If they want to make him a babyface, make him a babyface. Don't make him be a, a combination of that and somebody that we are supposed to like, but we're all supposed to laugh at. I don't understand it. It's it's the type of humor, too, that you know Vince was probably laughing his ass off backstage, and I hope he got a good enough laugh out of it because it's not going to do anything good in the long run. And it hurts the authors of pain, too. They're associated with a fucking guy who wets himself. How is that supposed to be helpful? It's stupid. It's beyond stupid. And I just hate it. Uh, R-Truth was then backstage again. He wants to join the SmackDown roster. This was funny because he's already on the SmackDown roster. And The Miz did a little thing here. He said, you know, if we win tonight, 
then I'm going to give you all signed autographed copies of the Marine. And uh, our truth was like, man, I would love a, a signed copy by Becky Lynch. And that was great. Again, it proves that somebody is doing something right in WWE. Uh, they made the Cruiserweight Championship a great match. Not surprised whatsoever. Buddy Murphy has been killing it this year. Mustafa Ali has been killing it this year. 205 Live has been killing it this year. And the fans are chanting, this is awesome. Which goes to show, if you watch the goddamn show, you'll see awesome matches. Because this is the norm. This is what they normally do. And if you are not privy to that, then, I mean, that's your own fault. Watch the show. <laughs> you know what I mean? They do good shit there. Tune in, uh, tune in Wednesdays and you will see good matches. I highly doubt that this is going to win people over for it, but if they do, awesome. Great match, though, as expected. Buddy Murphy is a great champion already to a certain extent. Um, Mustafa Ali is a great underdog. He is the heart of 205 Live in a lot of different ways. And it's great to see that these guys could just go out there, not on the pre-show, which apparently doesn't matter at all, even if it's a part of the gimmick of the pay-per-view, and just put on a damn good match. So hats off to them. Now i got to crap all over the men's elimination match because Samoa Joe is absolutely worthless. He gets eliminated very, very quickly because it's more important to give Drew McIntyre a quick win to be like, see, Drew McIntyre, that's the guy we want you to like. Fuck the Samoa Joe guy because we don't care about him whatsoever. Which, uh, at this point, Samoa Joe has been on the roster, the main roster, for two, three years, whatever it is. Has not accomplished a single thing. Just goes to show you the rumors and everything that have been going on for a while are completely true. When he was signed to WWE, he was probably told by Vince, I don't know for sure, but he was told, supposedly, we are not going to give you anything good. You are a bit player, it's probably because of his weight, and you're not going to make it. And uh, in NXT, he won the championship because Triple H knows how to book NXT. And on the main roster, he is a guy that is only used to lose to more important people. That's it. And uh, that just kills his credibility even more. And it proves that SmackDown is worthless, too, because, uh, I mean, I am a big fan of Braun Strowman getting lots of wins and looking powerful. But on this card, where you had Raw win the elimination match for the women, Raw lose the tag team match, which, you know, by all accounts, they should have lost. And then it doesn't count. And then you have SmackDown lose everything else like that. It really is just kind of like, all right, well, I like that Braun Strowman had a good showing. But did you need all the other crap that goes along with it too? Um, they couldn't even eliminate Bobby Lashley. Like SmackDown couldn't eliminate Bobby Lashley, really. They could only eliminate Finn Balor. It's just, uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. This men's elimination, uh, elimination match was fun to a certain extent, but the booking around it is just bothersome. Then we had the uh, Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey match, which ends in a disqualification because you can't necessarily have a clean finish there. If you were to have a clean finish, it would have been a Ronda Rousey finish. Uh, she won anyway. And here is another proof of how WWE does not necessarily know what to do going forward because... Seems like the intention here was, man, we're going to make Charlotte look out to be a, a you know, killer heel here, and Ronda Rousey's going to look so sympathetic because, boo, Charlotte used a kendo stick. Nope. 
And once again, same thing as what happened with the Becky Lynch situation. People are chanting, thank you, Charlotte. They're chanting, you deserve it to Ronda Rousey. Kind of makes you wonder, is Ronda Rousey the new Roman Reigns, the new target to prove to people uh, in the WWE brass, if the fans don't want something, stop trying to force it on them. You know, we used to be in a company situation where when somebody would get over with the crowd, they would push that person. If Steve Austin was getting cheered, you made him a babyface. If Bret Hart was getting booed, you make him a heel. If Shawn Michaels is a babyface, Vincent Mann, according to Bruce Pritchard, is backstage going, God damn it, I do not want to hear that he's a babyface. Then one day he wakes up and he goes, Am I the only one who understands that he's a babyface here? What the hell? Hopefully, Vince and anybody else that's still on the train of trying to push this heel thing wake up tomorrow and they realize the difference because what they've got working with them right now, they can do something that is far better off. Marina Shafir, Jessamyn Duke, and Shayna Baszler are definitive heels in NXT. Ronda Rousey, at least to a certain extent, is a definitive babyface right now. Uh, of course, they're going to position her as a babyface in the feud with Nia Jax. That's a guarantee. But after that happens, you've got Charlotte Flair as somebody who was being booed against Becky Lynch because people liked Becky Lynch more. And now they're supporting Charlotte over Ronda Rousey. Well, when you do Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey at the Royal Rumble or at WrestleMania, they're going to get cheered and Ronda's going to get booed. That's just how it's going to work. Doesn't matter if you try to make them the heels, Ronda's going to get booed. If you do, say, for instance, the four horsewomen versus the four horsewomen, Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks and Bailey are now all positioned to be baby faces, and three out of the four four horse women on the uh, the MMA side are heels. And Ronda Rousey's getting cheered at, or jeered at, I should say, uh, with "You deserve it" and "Thank you, Charlotte" and all this other kind of stuff. What you have to do at WrestleMania, whether it's Charlotte Flair or Becky Lynch, you have to turn Ronda heel, and it has to be the heel horse women led by Ronda Rousey against the heel horsewomen, uh, the babyface horsewomen led by Flair or Becky Lynch. You don't need to necessarily do four horsewomen versus four horsewomen, but you have to have them ringside and you have to have that be the dynamic. That's just how it has to work. So I don't hate this. The match itself was great leading up to that point, but it's a scenario where I hope that they don't try to take this in the wrong direction going forward. Uh, when they had the heel situation with Becky Lynch not working, they tried to have her come out and cut a promo saying, like, screw the fans. Didn't work. Can't do that with Charlotte Flair in this situation. You need to have her just be the babyface. Then we had Brock Lesnar and Daniel Bryan. And, of course, Brock Lesnar wins. But, hey, I'll, you know, call attention to something that I was wrong about. It was more than a five-minute squash. Now, of course, it ended up being predominantly that. But eventually they did a whole thing with a low blow and Daniel Bryan started to fight back and they, they actually had a, a much, much better match than I was expecting them to have. So credit where it's due. And I was wrong about that. Wasn't wrong about the Brock Lesnar winning situation, but hey, you know, uh, 
I liked the match for what it was to a certain extent. I'm hoping that there's no news that he got injured. He being Daniel Bryan, if Brock Lesnar got injured, I would be happy about that at this point. And um, that just uh, seals the deal. Raw wins with a clean sweep, unless you count the match that should have been counted at the pre-show. And if you are not invested in SmackDown going forward, you know why. It's because WWE isn't either. So uh, (laughs) that's what Survivor Series was. It was a scenario where they proved that SmackDown is the B-show. They told you that the kickoff doesn't matter, that the tag teams don't matter, that the only thing that they have going on in their mind right now is they want you to push the whole Nia Jax thing going forward because Ronda Rousey is a priority as evidenced by the Charlotte Flair thing. They want you to laugh at people peeing themselves because, well, they're complete jokes, so let's just have that kind of crass, lowbrow humor on there. The tag team division in both sides for everything doesn't matter whatsoever. Uh, 205 Live doesn't really matter. Uh, Braun Strowman is going to be positioned to look strong and then lose in the future. Drew McIntyre is somebody that they prioritize, and that's it. That's basically what they've got going on. So Survivor Series was a mixed bag. There were some great things on this event, and a lot of really, really crappy things. And it's really disappointing because TakeOver was so good and so flawlessly perfect in so many different ways, and they couldn't even do the simplest things when it comes to this. So it was not the worst event of the year. It wasn't Crown Jewel, but... It still had more than enough problems that didn't need to be there. And I'm about a half an hour into this already, so I'm just going to cut this off. I want you guys to tell me what you think about uh, Survivor Series, how everything went down. What are your pros and your cons? What you like, what you dislike, all the other kind of things like that. Do you agree or disagree with me? Uh, any kind of opinions that you have, drop them in the comment section below. Make sure that you hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel and ring the bell for notifications to be aware of the next couple of things that we got coming your way, which will be the hot tags and the mailbag. So stay tuned for those. If you have not sent in your mailbag questions yet, send them in as soon as you possibly can, because I'm going to be doing a lot of work. So I need to have a little bit of time to be able to spend on like Monday and on a little bit of Tuesday to, you know, prep my answers and prep the actual template and different things that go along with that. If you want to show your support for Smart Out Moment in the future, on the monetary side of things, hit up the Patreon, show, uh, not show, share whatever spare change that you have in your uh, pockets or bank account, I guess, technically, <laughs> I don't know, whether it's a buck, five bucks, whatever the case may be, all that's greatly, greatly appreciated, as well as all the likes and the shares and the follows and the favorites and all the other kind of things like that. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SmartOutMoment. Keep checking SmartOutMoment.com for everything else that's happening there. Keep checking my stuff on Bleacher Report and eWrestling News and The Ring Report and elsewhere. I don't know where I'll pop, uh, be popping up. So just uh, follow me at Tony Mango and follow Fanboys Anonymous as well. Hopefully I'll get a chance to see Creed 2 and maybe Ralph Breaks the Internet and maybe Robin Hood next week. Maybe Fantastic Beasts too. I don't know. And uh, I'll see you when I see everybody. Thank you for listening. Adios. This has been another Smart Out Moment, and I'm being counted out.